This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Welcome. Before I get into the topic of this story, of this week's story, I want to have a little bit of fun, a little bit of nostalgia, nostalgic fun. I recently ran across some old radio commercials, both local and national commercials. I really had a lot of fun listening to them. Uh, so I decided to include a few of them in this episode. Now, remember, these are for nostalgic purposes. Please don't think that any of these companies, if they're still around, are sponsors of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Here we go. It's a real thirst quencher, don't forget. It's fresh, clean taste, is the finest yet. It's a quick, refreshing lift you get. Nothing does it like 7-Up. That's right, nothing does it like 7-Up. Sparkling 7-Up, fresh, clean tasting 7-Up. It goes so good when you're taking a break, a 7-Up break. Just one bottle of 7-Up gives you that old energy back. That's why it's a wonderful idea to keep plenty of it around. If you get the big 24-bottle supply, you'll have plenty on hand for thirsty guests. Yep, nothing does it like 7-Up. Nothing does it like 7-Up, 7-Up. Nothing does it like 7-Up, 7-Up. Nothing else can do what it does for you. Nothing does it like 7-Up. Doesn't that make you thirsty for a 7-Up? <laughs> After I heard that, I uh, I suddenly had a urge to uh, drink a Seven Up, and I hadn't I haven't had a Seven Up in years. So, and then this public service announcement: Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Always buckle up. Pull your seatbelt snug. Give an extra tug. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up. The National Safety Council says if you don't have seatbelts, get them. If you do have seatbelts, use them. If your car doesn't have seatbelts, you better run out and get them. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Now, this local commercial. Ice Capades now playing through Sunday only at the Bakersfield Civic Auditorium. Don't delay. Tickets on sale at the Civic. Special prices for juniors for the Saturday 2 p.m. matinee. Be sure to see the surprisingly different Ice Capades. America's number one family show through Sunday. Good seats are still available. Remember, this was a vintage. This is a vintage ad. This is not a current ad. So don't go down to the Civic Auditorium trying to buy your tickets to the uh, Ice Capades. So, are those fun? Let me know if you enjoyed those old radio advertisements as much as I did. If you did, 
I'll make them a regular segment of this podcast. Go to NotoriousBakersfield.com and click the contact link. Let me know if I should continue doing a segment on these old ads. I have several of them. Buick Wildcat. It is the wildest. Horsepower, 325, 340, or 360. Transmission, three-speed synchromesh, four-speed stick shift, or the new Buick Superturbine 400 automatic. It all adds up to the wildest thing on wheels. Wildcat for 64. Above all, it's a Buick. The story for this episode is one that I don't normally cover. It happened in 2011. I tend to shy away from stories that occurred in the internet age. I prefer stories that take a little more effort to research than a simple Google search. I recall when this happened, and I remember the shock and outrage it caused. I came across the dramatic 911 recording related to this story and decided to cover it for the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. This is an extremely disturbing story. I don't usually give warnings going into an episode. I figure you know what you're getting yourself into when you find your way to the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. This story involves child abuse and child sexual assault. And there's your warning. Because the crime is this type, I have changed the names of the people involved in this story. The parents, the stepmother, the victim. I don't use their real names. By the end of this story, you'll understand why I felt that was necessary. I decided that was the best way to protect the victim's identity. Even though I don't use the true names of those involved, the 911 call you'll hear clips of is authentic. Roy and Shelley lived in South Bakersfield near Bell Terrace and Weibel Road. They lived in a modest house with their four children, two of their own and the two older kids, a son and daughter, were Roy's from a previous marriage. Roy left for work a little before 3.30 in the morning on July 27, 2011. Shortly after he left, Shelley crawled out of bed to arm the burglar alarm on the front door. It wasn't the type of alarm that you could set when you left on the other side of the door. It had to be set from the inside of the house. This was her normal routine after her husband left for work. She'd set the alarm and then go check on the children, making sure they were safe in their beds. After Shelly set the alarm for the front door, she went to check on the kids. When Shelly poked her head in her seven-year-old stepdaughter's room, the girl wasn't in her bed. This is Child Abduction Twist. Nine one one, what's the location of your emergency? 
It's Bakersfield, California. Okay, and do you need police or an ambulance? I need the police, please. Okay, what happened? My daughter's missing. Your daughter's missing? But her stepmother, I just call her father, freaking out right now. How old is she? She's eight. She's what? She'll be eight tomorrow. It's her birthday. I know it's. I know you're upset, but I need you to take a deep breath so I can understand you. You said she's eight. Okay. So she's gonna be eight years old tomorrow. Her birthday's tomorrow, and she's not in here with me. I I got up. My husband just left from work. I got up to see. Check the house. I always get up. I check the house, make sure all the doors are locked, windows are locked still, and I check on my children. I went in here in her room, and I noticed that her bed was kind of. You know, like her her blanket wasn't as usually as poofy as it usually was. I don't know where she'd be. And I checked the bathroom. I I looked everywhere for her. Okay, how do you turn the alarm off and on? Is it always on and it just covers the windows? No, you just turn it by a switch. All you have to do is turn on the little, the switch up. And it it sounds alarm if the door is open or anything. It's kind of like a door chime. Okay, and it's still on? It wasn't turned off? It, well, when my husband left, he turns it off when he leaves. He turns it off when he leaves? Yeah, so when he goes out the door that the kids, you don't wake the kids up, and that's when I usually get up and I turn it back on. So you turned it on as soon as he left? Yes, ma'am. I got up, I turned it on, like I said. I, I checked the windows to make sure all the windows were locked. And I, I came in here, like I usually do, I turned the light on to check for my daughter, and I pulled the blanket back to see if she was all cuddled in her blankets because I couldn't see her head. And it was her dog. Her stuffed dog and she's gone. What color shirt and pants was she wearing? Last night when she went to bed, she was wearing a pair of hot pink cheetah print pants. And she had on a little light pink shirt with a kitty on it. And you last saw her when she went to bed? I gave her a hug and a kiss last night. Okay, what time did she go to bed? <laughs> she didn't go to bed until about 9.30 last night. Where's your husband right now? He's on his way back from work. Have you been through every single room in your house? Yeah. Yes, I have. I've looked for her everywhere. I've looked in my bed. I thought maybe she crawled in my bed with me. She's not in there. I even woke up my 11-year-old son because I thought maybe she got scared and got in bed with him. It's her older brother. They they have the same mom. Okay. Is there any other way somebody could have gotten in the house? There's two windows in her in in the room, but both of them look locked. Okay. The back, there's a back door, but I don't see her going back there. We got some big dogs. Okay. Is anything <laughs> missing? No, not that I can see. Okay. <laughs> Anything missing, nothing. Her clothes, her, her, even her little coin purse, everything here, her glasses. Okay, so if someone were to go to her bedroom window and open it, the alarm would have sounded? Yes, ma'am. Is your husband there now? No, he's not. He should be, he should be pulling up any minute now. The deputies just arrived there. Can you go outside and talk to them? Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm going to use Candace for the girl's name. 
When Shelly discovered her stepdaughter Candace missing after her husband left for work, she ran through the house calling her name, frantically checking the other kids' rooms, making sure she hadn't crawled in bed with one of her siblings. Then Shelly checked her own bed, thinking maybe Candace might have gotten into her bed without her noticing it. She checked all the windows in the house. None were open and all were locked. Candace was discovered missing in the pre-dawn hours. Sheriff's deputies arrived at the house around 4 a.m. By the time most of Bakersfield was waking up and starting their day, news of Candace's abduction was spreading. It was covered on all the morning TV and radio news programs. Online news sources posted stories about the early morning child abduction. All of the media stories published Candace's real name, her physical description, and descriptions of the clothing she was last wearing. Law enforcement wanted this information out there. They, like the rest of Bakersfield, were desperate to find this little girl, whose eighth birthday was the following day. As the media gathered outside the family home near Bell Terrace, police conducted a door-to-door search throughout the neighborhood. Residents in the area were fearful, rightfully so. A little girl was taken from her own bed in the pre-dawn hours. Something that didn't sit right with investigators was the fact that there was no sign of anybody forcing their way into the home. And the family had dogs that were in the backyard. For someone to come through Candace's bedroom window, they would have had to get through the backyard. They would have had to make it past the dogs. And nobody heard the dogs barking. Hours went by without any developments in this case. Then around 10.20 a.m. that morning, over six hours after this ordeal began, a break came. Mario Martinez, a gardener, was working in a client's yard in East Bakersfield. He was busy raking when a young girl wandered up to the home's circular driveway. She was wearing pink pajamas. Her face was dirty and bruised. Her eyes were blackened. She told Martinez that she was thirsty and asked for a drink of water. The gardener had a bottle of brisk iced tea. He poured it out and filled it with water from the hose. The young girl guzzled almost the entire bottle. Martinez asked her where her mother was. She replied she didn't know. He asked how she got there. Again, she didn't know. Martinez didn't have a cell phone and his client wasn't home, so he went to a neighbor's house to use their phone to call 911. When law enforcement arrived at the Eucalyptus Drive home, they determined this little girl was in fact Candace, the missing seven-year-old girl almost everyone in Bakersfield had been keeping an eye out for. She was transported to Kern Medical Center to be treated for her injuries and evaluated. What happened to this visibly traumatized little girl? How did she get from her house near Bell Terrace to Eucalyptus Drive, all the way in East Bakersfield, nearly nine miles away? Martinez told a Bakersfield, Californian reporter that the girl was nervous, but also really tired. 
Once Candace was located, sheriff's investigators set out to unravel this mystery. What they discovered sent shockwaves throughout Bakersfield and beyond. Candace told officials she didn't remember much. She remembered being asleep in her own bed when someone picked her up and carried her out of her house and put her in a vehicle. She told investigators that she woke up under a discarded couch in a vacant field. After freeing herself from under the couch, she walked to a neighborhood to seek help. That's where she encountered Mario Martinez, the gardener who gave her water and called 911. Her injuries included a black eye, almost completely swollen shut, bruises, abrasions, and other injuries that required surgery. Doctors who examined Candace at KMC also determined that she had been raped. Authorities felt her injuries were so serious that whoever did this to her intended to kill her and possibly thought she was already dead when they left her under the couch in the dirt field. This is where both the police and media had to backpedal. From the very beginning, Kern County Sheriff authorities were anxious to find this missing girl. They were quick to release as much information about her to the public as they could, her full name, her description, and the press followed suit. Her name and picture were published online and on TV news programs. Now that it was disclosed that she'd been a victim of sexual assault, Bakersfield media outlets rushed to pull their online stories about this incident. They updated their stories to exclude any mention of her name. The next afternoon, Roy, her father, had an appointment to be interviewed by Kern County Sheriff's officials. But he missed that appointment. And when he missed it, he sent his wife a text message indicating he was distraught and possibly suicidal. Shelley, his wife, contacted the sheriff's office to let them know Roy was possibly suicidal. When deputies arrived, he refused to come out of the house. SWAT was then dispatched to the scene, and he continued to refuse to come out, and a lengthy standoff ensued. During the standoff, detectives were still gathering evidence against Roy, believing he was the prime suspect in his own daughter's abduction, assault, and rape. Five hours into the standoff, a judge issued a warrant for Roy's arrest. Two hours after that, he finally surrendered peacefully. Roy was booked on suspicion of attempted murder, kidnapping to commit rape, intercourse with a child under 10 years old, and kidnapping a child under 14 years old to commit lewd and lascivious acts. Neighbors in the area where Candace lived were relieved to learn that a stranger wasn't snatching children out of their own beds. But the fact that a father could do this to his own daughter was disturbing. 
not only to the neighbors, but to the entire Bakersfield community. A piece of evidence against Roy was his cell phone. When first questioned by investigators, Roy claimed to be in the area near his employer off of Renfro Road when his wife first called him about the abduction. His cell phone data said otherwise. It showed he was near Fairfax Road in East Bakersfield, miles and miles away from Renfro, and very close to where his daughter was found hours after her abduction. Initially, Roy pleaded not guilty to the charges. It took over three years for the criminal case against Roy to be resolved. In 2014, in a plea deal with prosecutors, Roy pleaded no contest to the charges against him. He was sentenced to 34 years to life in prison. He will have to serve 85% of his sentence before he's eligible for parole. In a statement read by her stepmother at the sentencing hearing, Candace said, quote, He ruined my childhood. I honestly felt betrayed and lived a life I never wanted. Unquote. Resources used for this story, the Bakersfield Californian and that 911 recording. Let me know if you liked hearing those old radio advertisements I played at the beginning. Give me your feedback by going to NotoriousBakersfield.com and clicking the contact link to send me an email. Let me know. This is Robert Peterson. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. Have a good week.